So for those that maybe don't know, who are you uh, and what are you currently doing? Okay, um, so my name's Darren Cheeseman. Um, uh, currently, I'm the head coach of uh, Waterloo Ducks uh, women's first team in the Belgian Premier League. Um, and I'm working as a technical consultant for the Belgian Federation, uh, Belgian Hockey Federation. Um, and I'm a coach educator for the FIH. So um, those three roles are probably my three biggest ones at the moment. That's, that's going to take up a, a reasonable amount of time, did three <laughs> Those three roles, pretty decent <laughs> yeah. roles there. Um, and so have you always wanted to be a coach? And like, how did you transition from playing into, into coaching? Um, I think um, I've always done uh, aspects of coaching. So from when I was 12 years old, um, I was put into coaching by Arsenal Football Club. So um, they got me coaching in the uh, soccer schools during the school holidays, um, mainly to keep me busy and off the streets. Um, but <laughs> it was it was quite cool. Um, so they put me through all my coaching badges. And um, yeah, that was really my first taste of coaching. Um, it was quite, so cool. quite a young age then, yeah. Yeah, really, really young. So I was a 12-year-old, like, doing coaching for 7 to seven to 10-year-olds or whatever it was. Um, so it was um, looking after the kids that were younger than me. Um, but, of course, working with the coaches that were much older than me and kind of learning from them, seeing what they were doing, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I went through, and uh, by the time I got a little bit older, Nicky Thompson, um, who was my coach at the time at Old Lautonians, um, he got me coaching on all of his hockey camps. So that gave me a bit more confidence in terms of coaching in hockey. Um, and you have to get it right. Otherwise, Nicky will give you his infamous uh, <laughs> grilling. Um, so that that was a lot of character building. Um, and I got to really learn from Nicky. Um, and then when I was in the central program with uh, Great Britain, um, that's when Andy Rogers uh, got hold of me uh, while I was playing for East Grinstead. And he basically kept getting on my back asking me to go down to the Tombridge JRPC and help with the coaching and after a while I finally gave in um, because I always had this um, I always had this kind of thing in my head where if you want to complain about something um, and for me that was the central program or the the whole single system as a, as a whole um, if you want to complain about it it's fine but the moment you get an opportunity to do something about it you either do something about it and get involved or you stop complaining. And yeah. at that point, I wasn't really ready to stop complaining. So I took Andy up on his <laughs> offer. Um, I got involved in the JRPC coaching and um, it kind of made me really appreciate what the whole single system was about. Uh, it gave me an opportunity to get involved and start working with the players um, and kind of really started... Um, it really ignited my own passion for really getting involved in coaching. That's cool, man. And I think for me, a kind of similar way in terms of wanting to get involved in the system, like I wanted players to have a better experience than I had, um, being yeah. totally honest. And actually having those opportunities 15 years ago to get involved at just county level, like made me think this is something that I really want to get stuck into. So I completely can relate to you on, on that aspect in terms of, yeah, don't just complain about something, go and go and fix it and, and get stuck in. And then you can actually see what it's really like. So yeah, yeah completely, completely with you on that one. Um, 
one of the big things I kind of want to chat with you is as somebody like you say, you, you were involved in the central program, you you played for GB. You've always been involved in coaching. Like what aspects do you think help transitioning from player to coach and kind of what yeah, so what are the aspects there that kind of can translate over, as it were? Um, I think everyone talks about the first one for me, which is credibility. Um, so the moment you walk on the field as a coach and people know you've been a pretty good ex-player, um, they give you that credibility and they're almost waiting to hear what you've got to say. And I think that's really cool. Um, but that is something that only lasts about a minute, two minutes. So after that first minute or two minutes, people no longer care about what you used to be able to do with a stick and ball. And they only care about um, how you're going to impact on their game or how you're going to make the team better. Like, that's all they really care about. So uh, it does help right at the very beginning. It might help get you the job, if I'm honest. Um, but then once you're in the job, it's about you as a coach. Um, but once you're in there, I think some of the things that might help uh, or help me for sure is being able to put myself in the player's shoes. Um, I know that it's really different looking at things from a tower view um, when you're looking at the video or when you're on the side of the pitch. That's really different to being that player that's on the ball, you're under pressure and you still have to make those decisions. And if you've experienced that, um, you can kind of appreciate that a little bit and you've got that, um, you've got that le level of empathy for the player. Um, and you can kind of give some of those tips that you might have been able to go through as a player yourself. Um, it's the same if you're trying to win the ball. Like, what you what you experience when you're a player and you're trying to win that ball is different to if you're on the side and you're saying okay well theoretically you should be able to stand here and you should be able to win the ball um that that feeling is a little bit different um and i'd say that kind of the other thing is that i would never expect my players to do anything that i wouldn't have been expecting to do myself so when i tell a player to put your left hand on the floor um and put pressure like i know that i'd be expecting to do that myself when I'm talking about being able to split as a centre-forward, um, I know that those distances are possible because I've run it myself. Um, yeah. It's not something that I'm looking at on a, on a whiteboard and I'm saying, OK, well, if this piece moves like this, then this player should be able to do that. It's that feeling you have in the game that just gives you a different, a different feeling when you're, uh, when you're doing your planning, when you're doing your, your tactics and um, you're trying to give that advice to the players. So do you think then in saying that, Obviously, and this is a little bit of a loaded question. Do you think then ex-players always make good coaches because they have that feeling? Or are there coaches which think, yeah, do you always think that ex-players make good coaches then? Oh, 100% no. Um, I think there are so many examples of uh, top, top, top players becoming top coaches. I mean, you have to look at Max Caldas, Rich Charlesworth, Alison Anand, Adam Commons, like all the, these, there's so many top players that have become the world's best coaches. Um, the flip side, there are so many of the world's best players that have gone on to be terrible coaches, um, <laughs> like terrible coaches. Um, and I'm not going to list those ones. <laughs> um, um, but uh, for me, uh, the, it does help you, um, I think, um, but it's not the essential um, component to you being a top coach. Um, for me, that so many top players um, have that feeling 
but they don't understand what it is that allows them to be able to do that. So if you don't understand the breakdown of what you're doing as a player, it's really tough to be able to share that with um, with your group of players once you become a coach. Um, if you're not able to relate to the players and the situation that they're in at that time, uh, it's really hard to be able to put together a program to be able to support them in their own journey and growth. So, um, so many details, I think, we take for granted as coaches who have played before, like, for example, um, how you receive a ball um, across your body, just one small, tiny thing. Um, you hear coaches so often say, yeah, just take it across your body and you'll be able to play quicker. It's like, okay, great. But what does it allow them to actually be able to take that ball across their body when they receive? Like, it's not just simply do it. It's what are those details that allow them to do that? And um, we, we as ex-players see things because that's what we were able to do that's how we saw the game that's how we control the ball that's what we did with the ball um but that's not necessarily the case for every single player that you um that you're coaching so that appreciation of um what each player is going through that understanding of how the game is actually built up um if you don't become obsessed with the game as a coach the same way you became obsessed with the game as a player um it's really hard to to get those two crafts to to match and uh, that's really key and i was thinking about actually as you were talking then that obsession is everything i remember sitting with you at a coach conference years and years and years ago and you were talking about how about being obsessive about how you move the ball and mm. how every single little detail in terms of body mm. shape wrist shape fakes everything you had you obsess over those details or obsessed sorry over those details as a player that's only going to be a good thing leading into into your coaching and I can again the relation for me is having not been an outfield player but now been head coach of national league level and, and top flight I haven't got those relation that understanding which you would have as having been an ex-player but I have that same obsession over detail exactly. so I've gone onto a pitch and been like, I need a thousand balls to understand, okay, what is the feel? So when I go and talk to a player, it's not kind of pie in the sky theory, actually, okay, I've not done it to senior international level, but I understand, okay, well, if my hands are here, if this, that and the other, then I can then explain that and, and move that forward. And I think what some players don't have is that obsession to detail. And I think, again, that's probably helped you transition into your coaching. So then how how important then is that obsession, I kind of alluded to already, in terms of as a player, how has that then helped craft you as a coach, do you think? Um, yeah, it's huge, but um, the obsession starts all over again. So everything that I obsessed about as a player gave me a good base of technical understanding and good tactical understanding, but... Um, it's now becoming obsessed about my craft as a coach. So every single day I wake up and it's a lifestyle. It's not a role that I take on when I go onto the pitch and I suddenly come up with an incredible session or I get to the pitch for a match day and it's, okay, great, we're just going to do this, this and this and that will win us the game. Um, every single day I'm either watching video of us, watching video of our opponents, watching video of other people in the league or 
elsewhere in the world for hockey, um, watching other sports with my notepad, just making notes about what I see. It's reading books about leadership, biographies, um, completely different topics, economics, um, like to figure out things like um, game theory, to figure out things like, um, okay, how do you go into um, project project management like what are the biggest things in project management that might help me put together a better program um it's trying to make sure that i'm connecting with my network to make sure recruitment is better not just for this year but for future years um it's network it's, is uh, key i'm gonna sorry to interrupt you on that but like network for me has been the most valuable thing as a coach as a young coach back many years ago now but as a young coach <laughs> kind of growing up like just having the confidence to go and ask somebody like i don't understand this you're really good at this can you help me out and i think having that that bravery just to be like look what's the deal with this how can this be better or you've done that how can you you know how have you got to that i think massively helped me out and again it comes down to that obsessiveness and, and like determination of i need to know this i don't know this i'm going to go and find out yeah, for me, that was huge. Um, I remember when I first started thinking about going into coaching after I did my JRPC stuff and I was thinking, OK, like this might be something I'd be really interested in. Um, I got in touch with Simon Lechford, who was the coach at Reading at the time. Um, and he used to be my England's A coach when I was younger. Um, and I said to him, uh, Si, um, I know you, me and you aren't crazy cl close anymore because you haven't been my coach in years but you're somebody I respect. Um, I don't want anything, but can I come all the way out to Reading and watch you coach when you have an opportunity? Um, and he's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I just used to, I used to stand on the pitch and just watch him coach. Um, reached out he's to him. He's a seriously Coward. good coach. Seriously yeah, good coach. size wicked. I love him. And he's really open. He's detailed. He He's, he's obsessed. Um, and that's another thing that kind of feeds into what I'm interested in. Um, Max Caldas, I reached out to him and was like, Max, uh, you don't know me for, sh for anything. Um, so, <laughs> Save. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so can I can I just come and learn from you? And um, again, he was somebody that, um, again, was really open and let me in. Uh, Jamie Moulders and the list just goes on. Like, it's yeah. really important to be able to go and speak to these people and say, you are the world's best at what you do. Um, I'm really open to learning. I'd like to know more. Like, can I just sit and ask you some questions? Can I buy you a coffee? Can And most people that are any good um, realize that they are only where they are because other people supported them and they're willing to give their time to you as well. So, um, yeah, ask ask people, network, um, grow your knowledge, really. So then what would you say the current attributes are for like a top coach? So we're talking if you want to be coaching in kind of national league or junior international, you know, world leading, like what does that look like in in your opinion? Um, I think what we spoke about earlier, that obsession, um, I think there are some good coaches out there who are able to, because of their knowledge, they're able to walk onto a pitch and deliver a good session. They're able to get their team playing some okay hockey by putting in some basic uh, principles or whatever on a match day. 
but the play the coaches that are really obsessed and they put in the work um, throughout the week throughout the months um, throughout the years to make sure they're building something sustainable I think that's that's the first real big key attribute um, I think the next thing is um, there are so many successful coaches that are nothing like each other um, Max Caudas is nothing like Shane McLeod um, like they're completely different characters um, and you have some coaches that are very tactical some coaches are very technical some coaches are very social so they're only the big the only thing that they're really good at is making sure they get a good team atmosphere and it's almost the players that kind of just by feeling good go out and play crazy good hockey but the technical tactical stuff is not necessarily there for the coach um so i think to say there's one type of coach that makes that is really successful i think that's that's an outdated way of looking at it i think what is essential is that there's a level of care and trust um so the players um, need to trust that the coach really cares about them and cares about their performance um or their game and i think if that's the case then the players will buy into whatever it is you have to say but um if the players don't trust that you care about them or they don't trust that you care about the development of their game then i think that's where a lot of coaches fall short and um you don't really get that buy in from the players and it doesn't matter what your knowledge is they're not really going to listen to you um yeah those would be the biggest things for me yeah and i think that's definitely one thing which again having experienced some really good coaches and some really average coaches the coaches which i have most fond memories of the ones that really cared and had that empathy mm. for me as a player and for the wider group and and had that want to engage on all levels like and then you as a player as you know like if you've got a coach you trust you run through a wall for them like you do anything yeah whereas your average coaches who feel like oh well, i'm just it's about me and it's i'm the big i am you, you just we're like oh, whatever don't care but i i challenge you a little bit because um when i talk about that trust and care um there are also coaches who couldn't care less about what happens to you away from the field um they don't seem to care about you as a person um but you can see and you trust that they know enough and they care enough about the game and your development that that's what gets you so but there has to there be some... there has to be a hook for you as a player and yeah, i think yeah. that's so the that... really interesting thing so yeah. you could have two different coaches you could have shane and max and like some players will be absolutely hooked by one and completely turned off by the other so i think it's also about getting that balance of the player yeah, wanting yeah. to be in that environment big time yeah like i remember like one of my early like kind of uh leading figures was a guy called martin foxall who some people in the coaching world know um he was um he was a coach at a really small state school in hackney uh called homerton house and it just he it just so happened that he as a coach created this huge cluster of crazy good players that went on to play for Great Britain um but anyone that knows Martin um a lot of people are really scared of him because he's a drill sergeant he makes you run he screams at you he 
he makes you so uncomfortable. But you ask the you ask the vast majority of his players who they love the most, and it's Martin. Like they always go back to him. When I was injured and I needed somebody to get me fit as a senior international, I went back to Martin. And was like Martin, I need you to work with me um, because even though there's he treats you bad at times and you feel put under pressure you know that he cares a lot about you becoming the best player you can be um and i think that's something that's really important so how you use how you show that care how you build that trust um can be completely different from coach to coach from program to program but that care and trust um i think are crazy essential what advice that so moving on, what advice would you give to maybe guys that haven't been top flight players but want to be the best coach that they can be? Yes, we said about the obsession. Like, what advice would you give to them um, kind of building on some of the stuff we've already said about? Uh, just get on the field, talk to players. Um, like, and be authentic. Um, so don't try, if you don't, if you don't feel comfortable on the on the technical side, don't try to go too detailed in the technical side because the players will know straight away like that's not something that is a strength of yours. Um, so don't deliver it. Like don't go into it. It doesn't need to be done. Um, you can use the other players as a as a technical um, guide. You can use an assistant coach to deliver the technical stuff. Like don't deliver stuff that you don't feel comfortable in or you don't feel is your expertise. Um, but don't neglect it. Go away and work on it. Um, speak to the players and ask them, ah, oh, when you did that, like, what is it that allowed you to do that? Go and speak to other coaches, go on courses, read books. Um, yeah, I keep going back to it. Be obsessed and, and try to find out as much as you can about the details of the game. Um, and I think that will allow you then to build up your experience. And then you can start kind of giving these little points as you go through. And um, will you be the same? Um, will you be able to deliver the same level of technical detail that uh, that Jamie Dwyer might be able to deliver if he turns into a top coach? Maybe not. But you'll be able to offer something that will make the player better for sure um, because you care about the details. And for me, that's the important part. So then what would you say is next in coaching? So I feel like we've, there's been kind of lots of kind of buzz themes and everything else that have gone on in terms of once it was very technical and not much kind of contextual stuff. It's gone very contextual and kind of trying to be left field with everything. Like what do you think is next in not only coaching but in terms in hockey as a whole like what do you think is the next kind of evolution mm, I'd hope that we start to see a bit more of that hybrid um, at, over the last well for as long as I can remember um, coaches have been listening to what the new thing is and they've jumped on it and they deliver it blindly so as a player I always ask my coaches why and I was a nuisance and coaches thought I was... Really? You? Yeah. <laughs> coaches thought I was uh, a troublemaker and everything else. I promise you I wasn't. I, I probably came across that way. But I was asking why, not because I was trying to belittle the coach or to cause problems, but because if you can tell me why, 
then I buy into it. If you can't tell me why, then why shouldn't I be able to do what I think I should be doing? Because I know why I do that. Um, mm. And for me, the coaches never understood that because they saw it as me challenging their authority. But I was genuinely just looking for somebody to give me an explanation to the detail that sits behind what they're telling me to do so I can buy into it. Um, and my what I see at the moment is a lot of coaches have that same um, that same mindset where they are delivering things that they don't know the detail of um, because that's the thing that they should be doing at the moment. So uh, game gameplay stuff. I mean, gameplay is really important. Small-sided games, it's so important. Of course it is. But this war on drills that we're seeing, why? Ask why. Challenge it. Really challenge it. Deliver drills. Deliver gameplay. But no, Why? And hopefully we see this hybrid where people become authentic in what they're doing. They take the bits that make sense to them. They develop it themselves. They put it into their own mindset. They put it into their own principles and their and the way they see the game. And they really start to develop what they see the game to be like, rather than just saying, okay, everyone's doing gameplay. That's what I'm doing. There's a war on drills. Um, everyone's doing zonal hockey. I'm going to scrap man to man. Everyone's doing this. I'm no longer going to do that. And really challenge it. And and I hope I hope the next few years will really start to see people doing that where um, we, we start to see people saying yes, but, or why, or yeah, I think that, but I also think this. And we start to see all of these different concepts and theories kind of come together in this beautiful melting pot. And we start to see some real creativity. And I, yeah, I think this is a great kind of place to kind of finish as well, because I think I've always had the belief that coaching is an art more than a science. And I think what you said then, for me, is exactly how I feel coaching should be. It should be that, have that creativity, have that ability to understand why you're delivering something and deliver it for the players because of the players, not because somebody told you otherwise. And I think that having that belief system for me is is the core of my coaching and, and and I think it should in my opinion should be kind of the core of coaching in general like be creative be brave do what needs doing because that's what you understand and that's how you can develop the, your players at that moment in time not yeah. just because a textbook told you so of course and then I think the other side is um, we speak so much to the players about it's okay to make mistakes you need to be able to make mistakes to learn but we expect perfection from ourselves and we never show any vulnerability and I think um, opening up and being vulnerable to your players and saying listen yeah we tried that it didn't work um, yeah the last couple of games didn't really go as we planned because we tried this and this um, okay we've learned from that um, this is what's next and if the players can see that you don't use it as an excuse but it's a genuine part of who you are in trying to really strive to be the best you can be by challenging your own boundaries and pushing, trying to push further. Um, I think that level of, of authenticity really supports you and your development and your, your whole program. So, um, yes, there's trying to make sure that you um, take all the different concepts and you challenge why, but there's also the it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to be wrong, it's okay not to know um, as long as you're really striving to to push that uh, further 
Mate, this has been an absolute pleasure. I think we could, you and I, I well, I know fact, you and I could talk about coaching for days, hours, months mm. quite easily. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, My pleasure. Uh, it's, it's been quality. So, yeah, thank you so, so much. Um, stay safe. Look after yourself. And uh, you look too. forward to catching up too soon. Awesome. Thanks, Cheers. mate.